I'm Christian Bush. And I'm Cindy Watts. Welcome to our podcast, 52. I turned 52 this year, believe it or not, and I am releasing 52 songs to celebrate. This podcast looks at the relationship between my 52 new songs and 52 of my most popular songs from my back catalog with plenty of stories and laughs along the way. Oh, look at this. Cindy Watts, I just get to look at you again. Christian Bush. I'm, I'm sad that everybody out there, it's not a video podcast, but we made that choice early on. We did. I thought we decided it was going to be a video podcast. No, no. Early on, we decided that what was better was to you imagine what I look like when I'm 52 <laughs> um, based on the songs that I am releasing rather than just stare at me. I see. Well, okay then. <laughs> uh, I hope you're prepared. All right, let me have it. Because you got to start with a dad joke. All right. What is E.T. short for? I don't know. What is E.T. short for? He's got little legs. Oh, for the love of God. <laughs> okay. It's a twofer. All right. I met a taxidermist who wasn't very talkative. I asked him what he did for a living. He just said stuff. <laughs> I gotcha. It was the delivery, right? It was. It was the delivery. You just had to see his face. <laughs> just had to see his face, y'all. It's told, totally deadpan. Eyes over the top of the glasses. Leaned forward. <laughs> Stuff. Oh, so this week, uh, we are uh, beginning into the world of the second volume of 52. Which must mean it's summer. Which must mean it's summer feels that way so the pairing today is a, a song off 52 called when this shirt was new and yes. a song from southern gravity called house on a beach i love it and uh you helped me with this pairing i did um what 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 were your initial thoughts when you were thinking about this pairing and then i'll tell you mine well <clears throat> i i really wanted to use house on a beach because it is the initial summer offering. Ooh, I like that. You know, and and it feel any time I get to hear House on a Beach makes me happy. <laughs> so, you know, we could have paired it with anything, but um, you know, both I think both of these are just like super thoughtful songs. Well, thank you. Right. For me, uh I and we we talked about this in the listener issue, but um uh, a listener episode was the uh, uh, somebody asked you know what songs are what songs are the most personal for you and a song like House on the Beach is in fact probably one of the most personal songs I have like in that they're all personal but um, if you ask me that that's actually how I feel <laughs> like that's uh, n- there's nothing on there that's there for the rhyme right. if, if that makes any sense sure. uh, and um and I know it's not smart to own real estate on a beach property. The seas are rising, right? It's it, uh, you most likely have to insure it against a hurricane. There are a lot of bad ideas about having a house on a beach, but um, it does, in my mind, have this like it has it 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 has a place in my mind. It owns 
uh, property in my brain. <laughs> well, I think that's super relatable because I think most of us dream about having a house on a beach, regardless of hurricane insurance or stilts or <laughs> sand or, you know, whatever else comes with that. There's just a calming quality. There's somewhere I can go to get away. Right. The other thing that owns places in my brain yes. are old t-shirts that I gave away to people that I was in love with that I want back. Are we going to start a letter writing campaign? <laughs> Let me back up for a second. There was a moment where um, my son became cognizant truly of what I did. And it was, uh, he was early in high school, I think. And he had gone through a breakup and he... He told me it was it was going okay. He was sad. He's always been really good at this of saying, of giving me like a heads up. Hey, I broke up. I don't know how I'm feeling right now. If I'm acting weird, this is what it is. And I don't know how it must have come from when I got divorced because I would really tell them, hey, I'm going through a bad spot right now, or I'm going through a good spot, or whatever. If I'm acting weird, I, I think maybe I parented that. And he said, you know, but I, it's okay. We're going to get through this. But I kind of want my sweatshirt back. And then I wrote that down and I pitched it to Lindsay L and we wrote that song. Right. And she never really cut the song and I never really finished it, but Tucker kept reminding me of the song, oh, yeah. which mean, meant I kept going back to it and going, why didn't we do this? Oh, maybe it's not good enough yet. So I would try to rewrite it and rewrite it. And this is kind of my psychosis <laughs> as an artist. And, um, not long after that, uh, maybe a year or so, I had another appointment writing with Connie Harrington, who I love dearly. And um, Connie and I started talking about a song or a concept. And I said, I had brought up this kind of sweatshirt back and she's like, well, do you have a favorite, you know, t-shirt? Oh yeah. Yeah. And where is it? <laughs> um, I, I got it back finally, you know, but it wasn't pretty. Hmm. And, uh, and the, it's too small for me. Cause I, you know, I was younger then I I'm now more muscular is what I like to, t you're more mature. I, I'm more mature. I'm more muscular. I can't really fit in that size, small t-shirt that I did when I was, um, in that relationship. But, um, but so it, it brought up this concept of, oh man, What's, what's wonderful about old t-shirts and the reason why they always get stolen from me by my children and people in my life is because they get soft and thin and faded, but they're, but they're still together. You can't, I mean, some people try to sell you those now. You can go to the store and you can buy an old, a t-shirt that's pre-aged. Right. You know, it's much like mm -hmm. dating me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm pre-aged. <laughs> I'm not for sale, but, um, <laughs> but what I'm saying there's a is, word for that. Nah, maybe, but that was a good one. I thought I, I just showed up, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm designer. I'm in the designer rack section designer. is, is who I am. I, I, you know, um, but I think that there is a, a certain kind of comfort you get from putting on an old shirt. An for old sure. t-shirt. Absolutely. And I had a couple of my dad's old t-shirts. I know I did. 
they were like die. He was a die a scuba diver. Was he, he was a, as a hobby. So he had some old dive shirts, but he was a, he was much bigger. So they, they were all over. But my, my kids have worn my t-shirts to sleep in for years. Right. And, um, so, so th- there's a high premium on the awesome old shirt. There is. That's my point. So I, this first song um, is about that. And very recently, before, uh, I'd say in the last two or three months, Connie reached out to me. She goes, hey, do you remember that song we wrote when this shirt was new? And I was like, oh, yeah. She's like, we should go back to that. That was a really good song. We should probably demo it. And I was like. Yeah. Well, funny you ask. <laughs> <laughs> and I sent it to her and she texted me back. She was like, oh my God, you're a genius. <laughs> Which coming from Connie makes me feel really good. Um, but because, uh, you know, she wins song of the year. She's that, that girl. Right. Um, and she's very particular about the way her songs are presented. And, um, I couldn't be more proud of this. This was deep in the middle of Tom Tapley and I experimenting in the studio. It was, we were working on what was going to be my second album as a solo artist. And we were um, experimenting with all sorts of sounds that Atlanta has, like Mm -hmm. trap bass and, and all these things. And I'm not trying to push anybody off of being into this song, but what we were trying to do is use more modern things in a traditional country way and, and, and chase things um, on the recording that made you feel something rather than made you think about something. So um, let's just, let's just listen to it. So this is uh, when this shirt was new. Just gets better with time 
Just love blind lovers, a time may fade the blue to gray. What we had when the shirt was new. That's a barrel of monkey fun, right? So who is the band on the t-shirt? Well, it depends on what part of your life you're talking about. Um, in the early part of my life, it was a specific t-shirt. It was an REM shirt that I had. Um, it was the white one from Fables of the Reconstruction, where they were like, one's on one guy's on his knees and the other guy's standing up to them. Um, later in life, it was a class shirt from London Calling. Um, uh, even later in life, um, you know, it's, it's a couple different things. Like I have a, uh, a, a very like well protected is what I'd like to call it. Um, you two shirt that just belongs to me. I'm not giving it away. So your kids can't sleep in it. Like no. nothing like that. Uh, you know, most recently it's my newest Muna t-shirt, you know, like, um, but what I, what I love about this as an idea is you are able to have a real life artifact that it's okay to keep. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't wear their wedding rings after they get divorced. They don't, you know, they, they, they do an, an erase an erasing. Yeah. And, and I don't feel that way about love. I don't think you get to erase love. I don't, I don't, I don't think that happens. I think you carry around that love that you had with that person forever it's just you outgrew it and you need a new <laughs> new t-shirt. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean the old one doesn't fit or it's not, it's just not, you can keep this relic uh, or this artifact from your experience. And I think we do it in our hearts or in our bodies anyway. I'm changed. I mean, people say that all the time. I'm changed because of my experience with you. It just didn't work out. Yeah. I think that's Okay. Do you still have old t-shirts from old relationships? I'm so boring. I haven't. <clears throat> Did you never steal something from somebody? No. You didn't? Not that I can talk about on podcast. <laughs> okay. I love the mysterious. Nuance. It's more fun. I've been trying to give away my letter sweater from high school for a while. Nobody will take it, but that's because it's a cheese ass Brooks brothers, like hoity toity Northeastern thing. I mean, I have, and I, I've and actually, I've actually worn it to tape podcasts with you. <laughs> you just can't here. tell me about it. Yeah, yeah, I cannot. Okay, well, but so, how does this song make you feel? You know, <clears throat> because at 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 the core, I'm I'm pretty boring in that area. It when I think about when that shirt was new, it's my kids. It it's my kids sleeping in. My Golden Girls t-shirt. They call them mommy shirts. There's like a... Oh, yeah. It's yeah. called dad shirts in my, my life. Yep. 
There's a Garth Brooks shirt. There's a Frankie Ballard shirt. There's like three Golden Girls shirts. There's a couple Dolly Parton shirts. I mean, that's what it is in my head. I mean, it's it's definitely sexier when it's the other way around, you know. <laughs> but well, in execution, in in reality, in in my life, it is very much my kids taking those shirts. Did you hear that song as a sad song? No. Hmm. So really. when we wrote it originally, it was much slower. Yeah. As usual in my world. And it was almost a tearjerker because Connie, you know, right. Connie's the one who taught me if you, if you're, if you're generating tears with your song, the tears are money. Tears are money. Uh-huh. Cause it, you know, when, and very, very wise knowledge, which is if the song makes you emotional. Well, sure. If it makes you feel it something. It makes you feel something, then that's there. And I have a habit of, you know, putting a Junoel Monet song on top of uh, our sad song to see what would happen. But um, I've always liked to come at old relationships as a, uh, my as a celebration, rather than you are a setback. Right. <laughs> because I think that's short sighted. And and maybe in my thirties, I wrote a bunch of songs like "You're a Setback." You're just right. I was better than you and you treated me like crap. Um, but now that I'm older, it's you treated me like crap because I let you. That's a good point. You know, like I, it takes two to tango here. Nobody does anything to you in a relationship. You are in it with them. But uh, I was, so I was trying to repaint the emotional powerhouse of Connie Harrington's co-write. Um, into a way that would give you a happy way to think about it. But I would love to see listeners t-shirts. If you have like a, like your favorite rock shirt, you know, your favorite concert shirt, your favorite t-shirt that, you know, either you acquired, you know, from a relationship or you would never part with, even with the right relationship. It needs to be that valuable. I want to see it. I'll send in a picture. Okay. That's really funny. That's funny. Okay. And now this matching today, this pairing is with uh, the song House on a Beach. I I don't even know where to start uh, other than um, you can have my shirt. Just leave me the beach house. (laughs) That sounds like a trade. (laughs) Good trade. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you the story of this song. I wrote it um, because I got a phone call from the um, record company from Universal Music, which was the Sugarlands record company at the time. And they had a new artist named um, Kanan Smith. Yes. And I was very fond of this artist. I, I thought to myself, he is doing similarly to what Sugarland was doing, which is um, he was presenting... Um, country music with pop sensibility. Yes. Um, It was not pop music. It was squarely country music, just like Sugarland. Mm -hmm. But there was a sensibility to it where you were getting some of the hooks and some of the, um, the melodic information that, 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 that gave you all of the feelings that you had when you listened to like, you know, pop music. 
And I loved it. And their concern was that he was, and we had taken him out on tour with us. We had just, um, the stage had collapsed on us and we, uh, Sarah was no longer our opening act and we had to fill in the blanks. And I had heard Kanan and, and they had sent me his music and I said, well, can he come out and play with us? And I would typically go out and play with the opening act. So I went out to play with him on, on one of his songs and we became friends and, um, they had called me and said, Hey, the mandolin that you're playing on his song live is what we really want to adjust his single to be. Oh, and I was like, Oh, well, that's great. Well, I, you know, I can come and play it or you can just probably get somebody better than me because most people are better mandolin players than me to play it. Um, but I love that about it. And yes, it, it it's easy. You just have to not play a fancy bluegrass line on it. You need to play it more like I do, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> I like a Rod Stewart mandolin or something. Um, and as we, we kept going. Then the next thing they did is they were like, well, can we send him down to Atlanta on your next day off? And can you write a song for him? I said, yeah, okay, no problem. And it turned out we just didn't have a day off for like a year. Well, in that ensuing year, Jennifer Upton said, I'm gone. Right. And I had started down the path of what am I going to do with my life? Maybe I should write a solo record. It's my only chance to make money right now. And it timed out that Kanan could finally come down. So I pre-wrote a song. I pre-wrote this kind of chorus of, uh, it wasn't even a chorus. It was the first few lines of the song. I need a house on a beach. And uh, I thought if it would be nice and calm and and somewhat like the folk-leaning country, the storytelling country that I, I like, maybe that would help him be more... Um, I don't know, accepted by the label from a country standpoint. And he walked in the door and mind you, Kane was like obsessed with loops and all this stuff. So I was coming at him with what I knew he didn't like. Right. But he would respect me enough to write it with me. So sat down and said, man, I think I got it. I think I got it. And he's like, oh yeah, I could tell in his face. He's like wanting me to blah. To bring the loops. Bring it. And I said, uh, I need a house on a beach. He's like, I don't know, man. Oh, next line. Facing out to the deep blue sea. And I was like, yes. And then he goes, I need uh, somewhere to put up my feet. And I said, I need a whole day to do nothing else but sleep. And he's like, God, that's good. It's not me, though. And we wrote a different song. So I took that whole thing home that night, <coughs> sat on it. The next afternoon, I just sat in the upstairs of my house and I wrote the whole song. But I gave Kanan half the money because, you know, he was new. He was new. And without him, I'd have never gotten that far. You know, I, we've probably talked about that song 10 times and you've never told me that story. That's how it happened. That's how it, and that's why it's so personal is it's such beautiful first two or three lines. And that's the, the joy of song craft is when somebody says the perfect next thing that it would have taken you four days to figure out. And it took them four seconds. That's why you co-write. But from that moment forward, I built it differently. 
because I knew it wasn't going to be him. So I treated it the way that I had been taught. Even in college, I had taken a folk music class and there was this um, explanation of Woody Guthrie songs and how they are lopsided. They're a verse and a chorus and then a verse and a half and a chorus and a half and then a verse and a half and a half. Like it keeps building uh-huh. like a tree. So when you're trying to pull out your, um, if you're following at home uh, and you are any, or you're my brother, Brandon Bush, and you're trying to chart the song, like what did Christian actually sing here? You'll find that the it, it's not for the faint of heart if you are counting. Because it goes um, more bars than it should. And... It, it just, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. And the reason I was taught that that happened is because there was, you were drawing attention to the thing that was not in the pattern. Hmm. So when you're listening to the song and you hear why each thing happens, but it, it's this beautiful feeling of if I could, I would want a house on a beach and I imagine it in my head and I dream about it. And in the dream, there are, there's a beautiful woman and there's kids and in the dream this happens. And then in the dream, I'm not in the troubles I'm in now and in the dream. And then you start finding out that the dream is a fever by the end of the song and that his life is precarious. Just like mine was that day. Right. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I could escape the way that you almost see people in movies escape in when they go to a museum and they look at a, a picture on the wall and they get lost in the picture. That's me getting lost. Hmm. I remember, <clears throat> I remember us talking about the song for the first time. Yeah. I think we both cried. I'm pretty sure that we did. We probably did. I remember I, when I brought it to you, Yeah, it was when this album was being teed up and it's the last song in the album. Yeah. For a reason. Yeah. What do you remember? That we were, we were sitting at this table, this big long table. And, um, it, you told that story. I mean, we talked about, we talked about everything. We talked about the, your divorce. We talked about Jennifer. We talked about the stage collapse. We talked about the music. And I got back to the car that night in felt like I had ran a marathon <laughs> and then I was really nervous to write the story because there was so much there and it was so personal and I didn't want to mess it up yeah and then I wrote it and you liked it <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you did a great job I mean that was not I mean I had not talked for so long yeah and there was a lot to talk about there was and it was it was front page it was a front page story on in Tennessee god bless you you know, I still have it. Well, this song, uh, more people reach out to me about this song than almost any song besides Baby Girl. I bet they do. Bet and they do. it surprises me because it's not it's not a happy little ditty. Um, but it, it's a conversation. And ever since they've been playing it on like the No Shoes radio and the, the, the world of Chesney and stuff, I, I have more people just... And they request it, and I, I don't play the song often. I played it only three or four times. But um, I, I feel like 
I probably should play it more often. <laughs> I just don't. Should. I just don't like to slow the show down. <laughs> and well, I want people you know, to feel better. Well, there's you know pacing, right? You don't have to stay there, but you could. They'd probably like it. <laughs> so if you're driving in your car, wherever you are, listening to this right now, um, just keep your eyes open. Do not close your eyes and imagine the house on the beach, but uh, think about it. Get lost in the picture. I need a house on a beach facing out to the deep blue sea. I need to put up my feet one day to do nothing else but sleep. It all starts with a house on a beach. I can see it in my mind. Names painted on an old driftwood sign. Hanging above the screen door in the back. Opens up to the porch and the best view I've ever Facing out 
It lays you down right after, right? It picks you up in a place and lays you down. It does. Sometimes I forget that there are people playing with me on that song. (laughs) (laughs) I just heard at the end, one of the things that I love about Tom Tapley is he leaves the amp noise. Mm -hmm. Whenever you hear the buzz of the amps or the whatever, he's like, man, that's, I mean, we're making music and you used an amp. (laughs) Why would you, you know? Because it was for a long time when I grew up, I was trying to learn how to make things perfect because perfection was very difficult to achieve in recording. And I came up on tape and, um, you know, the way that you could make something perfect was not with a computer. It was with your fingers. <laughs> you had to practice more, sing better, learn to play better or learn to play more smoothly or something so that you had better equipment whatever it was, but it had nothing to do with the recording. The recording was just a unforgiving piece of tape. (laughs) Right. And nowadays you could just go back and literally I'm in the middle of restoring an old cassette of a band I had way back in the nineties. And you can physically go in and remove the tape sounds. (laughs) You just punch in. Crazy. House on a beach. Love it. We're going to go there now, right? We're going to leave for a house right on the beach? Right now. Right now. <laughs> When's the last time you've been to the beach? Oh, Did you go through COVID? Did you do any of the special COVID beach excursions? So didn't go to the beach during COVID, but went last summer. There's a lovely man in Melbourne, Florida, whose name is Mark Porter, who makes these super custom guitars. I think I saw this on your Instagram. You probably did. And he let uh, my nine-year-old design his own guitar. Oh my gosh. And that's pretty bougie. Yeah, it was. It is. I don't even have that. And it's and it's gorgeous. And uh we made Paxton a logo and he inlaid Paxton's logo and oh the guitar gosh. yeah in the guitar neck. And um we've called Pat or Pax's sister has called him Bub since the day he was born and he made a plate to go on the back of the headstock that says Bub on it. It's just like Aww. highly custom just for Paxton. And, um, you know, Pax got to pick the color and the body shape and just all the stuff. So um, Porter Built Guitars is what they're called. But we drove down to Melbourne, Florida, which is, oh, um, yeah. yeah, and to pick up the guitar and spend a few days at the beach then. And and even though it's like 14 hours away, I left your studio and went down there to pick up the guitar uh, that day. Because we did, you were in Atlanta. I was in Atlanta and then left and drove all night long to get that guitar. And um now, that's the only place Paxton wants to go because the hotel we stayed in, he really liked the chicken fingers and the snack bar by the pool. <laughs> he yeah. still I, talks about the it's pizza. It's a thing. Well, access to food is really big for kids at that age. I, like, I, I, I took my son to, um, uh, he would always, you know, that was, how old's Paxton again? He's nine. He's nine. Um, let's see. Tucker was a little bit older, but he would love to go to hotels with me and he would rank them on their room service. Uh, yeah. And and what was interesting is, you know, I, I just don't have the heart to tell him that all room service chicken fingers are coming from the same Cisco truck. <laughs> you know, like they, they just are. And but but there's a magic to picking up the phone. Yes. And then food appears. Yes. Well, for Pax, when Cracker Barrel changed their chicken fingers his world ended because cracker barrel did 
change their chicken tenders. Oh, is this as bad as McDonald's changing the the grease they fried stuff in, or they changed the salt content of the French I'm, fries? I mean, everybody went sideways. Yeah, no, it's 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 horrifying. We haven't been able to eat a Cracker Barrel in like eighteen months <laughs> because they changed the chicken fingers. So then we drove, you know, like fourteen hours overnight down to this, you know, hotel in Melbourne, Florida, and he found the chicken fingers. Oh Lord! So he's like, not only is this like my my pilgrimage and my Mecca. Yeah. It is also where I can find the ever elusive. And you tell him that only the chickens in Melbourne, Florida grow. They only grow there enough. And then he'll start to put it together that they're actually chickens. Yeah. No, I, 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 cause I, I don't he doesn't want, really think they have hands. I, I don't want and fingers. I don't. I don't. <laughs> he doesn't joke. need encouragement to go back. <laughs> like there are much closer beaches. Yeah. Love you, Mark Porter. But do you go to be what beaches do you go to from East Tennessee? Well, when we were in East Tennessee, when I grew up in East Tennessee, we always went to Myrtle Beach. Yeah, yeah, that's what we did too. Yeah, but now that we're in Middle Tennessee, it's 30A. Yeah, 30A is it's almost exactly the same time. You know, you can get to 30A quicker from Nashville than you can from Atlanta, which is even weird. That is weird. But if you drive to Myrtle Beach from Nashville, it's 12 hours. Because now it's the same length of time if you go from Atlanta. But to get to Myrtle Beach from Nashville, you have to drive from Nashville to Atlanta and then drive over. And then drive over. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So my kids have only been to Myrtle Beach one time. Pax has never been. But we do. We do 30A. We did, um, oh, the, the Georgia Island on the way back up from. Um, Tybee? We did Tybee on the yeah. way back up from Melbourne, which was beautiful. Oh, yeah. But there's no hotels on that beach. Oh, no. That's Cumberland Island you're talking about. Cumberland Island? Oh, well. Uh, well, maybe Tybee doesn't have hotels. They maybe have, they are just they, they are just beach one. houses. They have one. They're just beach houses, which is beautiful. But when you yeah, have yeah. kids who need to pee, <laughs> I need a house on a beach with a bathroom with a potty. <laughs> a house on a beach with a potty. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> well, uh, may you all get to a beach this summer at Absolutely. some point. Super excited about that. All right. I'll see you next week, Cindy. Bye, Christian. Hey, everybody. Christian Bush here. Cindy Watts. And we would like to thank you for joining us for another episode of 52. If you'd like to write us with questions or comments, you can contact us at 52thepodcast at gmail.com. That is the number 52. Also, remember, the best way to help us is to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. Please and thank you. You can follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can follow Cindy at Cindy Watts on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Thank you for listening and please join us next week.